Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com, that's K-O hyphen F-I.com forward slash alone, or you can go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com forward slash support us to find out more. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I'm here today with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today's episode is How to Nail Your Ending. So yeah, (laughs) this is something that I know, Holly, uh, this is one of the questions that you picked out, Mm -hmm. and this is a really big one for a lot of people, so let's actually just get right into the episode today. Okay. All right. Um, People get... (sighs) People get a little bit screwed up by endings. Um, they they panic as they're writing toward them. And as a beginning writer, I remember panicking towards the endings. I remember doing, doing these um, god-awful endings or not ending anything at all. And uh, it, it gets easier the more experience with writing you build. But one of the most important things that I can say just as we get started into this is make sure you write to the ending of every single thing you write. Because if you don't finish it, you haven't written a story. You've just thrown pieces of something against a wall. And it is really important to write endings, even bad endings. Because once you have a bad ending, you have something you can fix. Until you have gotten to the ending of it, it's not... It's not a story. And you will just sit there, people will sit there trying to fix stories that they haven't ended yet. And until you have written at least a god-awful ending, (laughs) um, you cannot fix the story. So I am first off going to give you the ending for your story. If you do not have a story ending for any single story you've got right now, you can bring every single one of them out and you can give them this ending. And then I killed them all. Okay. Or, or and then they all died. And, right? Or, like, or yeah. and then they all died. Okay. Either one of those is fine because that <laughs> gives your brain something to work. Becky's laughing her ass off at yeah. you over there. No. I was just thinking, <laughs> and and then like and then the world exploded because fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I've I've had. I, I typically I'm one that writes to a certain ending or I write to a certain reveal. I'm actually having a bit of an issue with the um, Fulton Hills book that I'm working on right now with the climax ending because mm-hmm. the reveal is what I was writing towards. But as I built up the characters, I needed a better climax ending. So that's this is actually I'm I'm looking forward to this episode having um, this issue with Glass House. I had the same issue. I didn't actually know. I had a twist ending, again, a reveal that I wanted to, to add in there. Yeah. But I didn't know how to do the climax part of the ending. So I actually just outlined it. And a bunch of it was like, and magical shit happens. Like, literally, that's what I wrote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So 
having an ending can even be like an outline or a single a single line as long as you you've ended it then yeah. you have a story right 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 yes you you it it can endings are tricky and that's why i was so excited to do this episode because i i rarely know or i i'd never know the actual ending i'm going to get i never know it i sometimes think i know it um, but sometimes I have no ending at mind, in mind when I am writing. But even when I know the ending, and this is the ending for the three book secret texts um, that I am going to discuss, I, I knew the ending, but it was an awful ending. It was, in fact, and then I killed them all. But I thought I was actually going to have to do that. I thought to to give them the win of saving everything that they needed to save, the two characters that I loved the most were going to have to die. And I was on the last, what I thought was going to be the last chapter at the time, and I was writing toward that ending, and I was just horrified that I was not thinking my way to something better. And all of a sudden, this third character stepped in, character that I freaking loved, and who had been there from, I think, the second half of chapter one with the first character. And he hadn't really, he had done things and he had been important throughout the entire three book series. And this is a big fat series. These were big fat novels. And um, I, I loved him. And he did this thing that changed everything right at the freaking end of the book. And it saved it saved my ending. It made me love it even more. It was perfect. And my muse pulled this out as if it had known. And I can't swear that it didn't because my muse is a dick, uh, as we have established in previous episodes. And yep. it might have known this and just been keeping me writing in that fear because that fear was was very evident in my writing that I was I was writing those characters in that place and they believed that they were going to die because I believed that they were going to die and the emotion in that for me um it's one of those things where when it, when it hit me and I knew what it was I got tears in my eyes and yeah I, yeah. yeah that's that's strong I mean especially if you're you as as a writer are writing something and you are writing it specifically towards a specific ending when the readers are reading it they're going to be like oh no oh no 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 how is she going to pull them out because i really think they're they're going to have to die yeah. and the reader the more they read the more they believe that okay well they're going to have to die because the writer and, believed it yep because yep. the writer believed it the writer thought oh my god i can't fix this I have this has to happen to save the world and I can't fix this. <laughs> so and <laughs> where how do we start? Let's say that we don't have any idea of our ending. What what can we do? Okay, well we have done the first thing, which is ask there there are questions you ask yourself. Yeah. There are questions you ask to find a better ending. And but, this can be done in first draft or revision, correct? Oh, God, yes. This can be done at any point in the process. And if you don't like the ending you get when you finish the first draft, it can be done again in revision. Yeah. That's because the whole objective of revision is to find what's great in what you've written, to save that, and then to fix what ain't great. 
Yeah. <laughs> a big part of how to revise your novel that I fucking, I just love is this theme that carries on throughout pretty much every single lesson where you're thinking like, okay, well, oh my God, this is bad, but everything is fixable. It, it's about mm -hmm. finding the book you want this book to be and creating that book. And every time I go through a revision, I, I, so, something sort of solidifies, something else sort of solidifies within me and I remember this, this next lesson or I go, I dig deeper and I find something cool. Like, um, we talked about last week, the, the character's name, the character's title changed, just one word changed and it opened up this entire new level of magic this 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 um entire new character this entire new job and it also explained to me how the majority of vast majority of people experience death so that in fulton hills anyway so <laughs> so that again because how to revise your novel is is telling you that your revision is is how you find the book you meant to write that's that's kind of like the idea even if you don't take the course just remember that revision is what is like holly said finding the good parts about the book fixing the bad parts about the book and turning it into the book that you envisioned and sometimes hopefully even better yeah yeah that's and 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 i will say this too no matter how crappy the thing is that you wrote, there is something good in there. There is something worth saving. And the object of first draft is just to get the story down. It's not to get it right. It's just to get it on paper. Because you can lose the idea dicking around and going back. You can lose everything you love if you keep going back and fixing things before you have it finished. Once you have it finished, there's a system for saving everything that's good before you touch anything that's bad. So yeah. don't even fix your typos in first draft. Yeah. Don't, don't go back even, and fix anything just right. Yeah, you might even be trying to fix something that by the time you're done, you end up realizing like, oh, I can cut all of this crap out. Oh, believe me. <laughs> believe See, me, in my first novel, I had a waist-high stack of paper. I'm 5'6". I'm not sure how tall I, my waist is, but the paper went up to my waist of <laughs> one revision on one book where I had gone through and cut and pasted and tried and tried and tried and tried to fix it um, over a period of seven years. And uh, I, I did get it. I did, I did get it done. I got a guy in an airport, or a guy who was an, a publisher of books that go in airports, Offered me five hundred bucks one time for to buy that particular story if I could could cut it down to half its length. And at that point, that was an acceptance. I took that. I said, okay, it, it, that good enough. I'm not going to do that because uh, waste high stack of paper. I'm done with this shit. Yeah, probably completely and utterly bored with this book by that time. Oh <laughs> my god. Oh my god. Yes, but but I learned from that one and the next one sold the first time out to the first place I sent it one month after I sent it out um, because I had learned how to revise. And yeah. I had done one revision on that one after I wrote it, not touching it until it was done. And bam, you know, so and yeah. <laughs> the first thing as far as how to nail your ending is at least write to a ending, get right it done. To, yeah, and, and we then... gave you that ending and then they all died. <laughs> or then I killed them all. Or then I blew uh, up the world. Or, or you could just say... <laughs> And they lived happily ever after if you want to not be as dark as Holly. <laughs> However. 
No, because seriously, and then I killed them all. It has an actual purpose to it. It's not So does happy. living happily ever after. No, you don't. <laughs> you want something your brain hates. Oh. You want Well, that... I hate that ending. Huh? I hate that ending. And then they ha- lived happily ever after. It's like a freaking <laughs> Disney movie. Yes. Not not shitting on Disney fans out there. If you love Disney, that more to you. But I'm not a fan. <laughs> but so make an ending that you absolutely hate. Right. Right. Okay. The first one is make an ending that you absolutely hate. Just, just, but that is the ending. Okay. Because that then gives your right brain muse a, a wall to bounce the ball against this thing that you can fight that, that allows you to think of something better. Because if it's the worst, most horrible ending you can think of, you will by God come up with something better. Yeah. So and, whatever you personally detest as an ending, write that ending. I like that. I'm glad that we dug a little bit deeper and found out the reason for that particular ending. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the questions? You said it's all about the questions. Yes. Okay. So now that you have your crappy ending, all right, and you've got that, you have a finished story, you have a crappy ending. Here's what you do next. You say, what is the, is the easiest thing that could happen? Okay, how could I end this? That would be the easiest way for me to write an ending. And aside from, you know, the, the ending that you hate, this is now, okay, well, um, huh, I, I could, I'm not going to kill off my two favorite characters, but I could have some magical thing intervene, ah. and that would save them all. The deus ex machina. Yes. Okay. Now that is a lousy ending. It's yeah. not as bad as then I killed them all. <laughs> but that is a lousy ending because the characters are not finding their way out of it. But you have to identify that ending. So that's your, that's your very first question here is what is the easiest thing that could happen? All right. You, um... Do you want to say anything about that? Have you ever done an ending like that and then found it? Yeah. um, I'm trying to think of where it was. I've had a couple where I just, and this was way, way earlier on in my writing, where I didn't know how to end things. So I just kind of tied it up real neat and, and just kind of. It was it was one of the shittier endings I did. I think it was a fan fiction ending, but it was it didn't tie up any of the loose ends, but it just kind of gave them a very simple way to to be together at the end or not be together. I'm trying to remember what exactly I did. It was um and then and then I tried to slip in something in there for uh Was this one of the Clex things? Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was one of the Klex things. I think it, I just don't remember the title of it, but I, I had come in so far away from when I started moving, writing it and stuff, and people were asking for an ending. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I kind of disappointed some people, and I feel bad about it, but I was just over, I was, I was going through that struggle to break from fan fiction. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah. Yeah, and I, I um, remember you struggling with that. Oh yeah, for a long time. Yeah. But yeah, the 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 easing ending 
it's good to ask yourself questions like that because if I had done that, then I, I, I would have realized like, okay, well, this is the easiest ending, but it's also anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. It's also a letdown. It's also not going to tie up all of the loose endings and it's not going to give your characters what they deserve. Right. Bad or good. Bad or good. Yes. Yes. And, and that is important. Okay. So then here is the next question you ask. What would make you, the writer, cry? What ending could you write that would make you cry? Sometimes that comes out without you even trying. Mm-hmm. Like that, what you had with Secret Text, you oh my didn't. God. Yeah, you were writing for a specific lousy, lousier, you know, ending, yeah. and then you're writing and you makes you cry that's that's what happened with the house on andrews ave and i doubt that it's going to happen for pretty much anybody else reading it but it was a very very personal there's a lot of me on the pages within the house on andrews ave and the ending that i have written that i want to make better still the emotions of the one character and the reason for what she's doing and everything made me cry and it made me realize uh what i had put into the story without even realizing it yeah, and if you can if you can do that, if you can come up with the ending that will make you cry, you know, uh, that's that's generally going to be a keeper ending. It's made me cry each of the times I had to go through it and read it. Aww. Because it's so raw and it's so personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I don't think anybody else would necessarily get that unless they've been through the same stuff that I have. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that <laughs> see, that's that's the weird thing. I just finished reading rereading. Um, the, the, both of my first two Cadence Drake novels. Um, Hunting the Corrigan's Blood and War Paint. War Paint, yeah. Because uh, I am getting ready to, I'm getting geared up to do the revision uh, for one more time here. The Wishbone Conspiracy. Thank you. Yeah, The Wishbone Conspiracy. Um, and, uh, oh my God. Cadence uh, uh, Drake is, is way me. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't find, I don't think about it when I'm writing her, but there is all of this stuff that I rip out of, out of the darker part of my life that goes into her and I change it, but it's still there. And I'm reading them and there's this part of right naked that, that is just, there. wow, that's a lot of cat butt. Yeah, there's, there's a cat butt <laughs> in your face. <laughs> But like you're saying, like the right naked, it's it's being vulnerable on the it page. It is. It is, and and I have I have seen so much of that in and more. Those books, the Cadence Drake's books, are more personal than any of the other fiction that I have written. Um, and even I, the Ohio novels, because I don't think so. Well, okay, now that, but I haven't gone back and reread the Ohio thing yet. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, I don't know. That Plus, felt... that's one book versus three books and an entire Longship or Longview long series. Longview, yeah, series. So, yeah, that's... So, I have... I am... I'm about 400,000 words into Cadence Drake right now. And I'm only about 100,000 into the Ohio novels. Yeah. So, yeah, not even that much. I think I have 80,000 on that one. So... Anyway. Okay, so if you can make yourself cry, that is probably going to um be the ending that will connect to you personally now you have to decide 
whether that's the right ending for the story. But that's the next question you ask. Okay, and then after that, what would make you laugh? How could you end this story that would make you laugh? And that, it doesn't matter what genre you're writing. Okay, this, this, these are all genre applicable questions. What kind of an ending would be funny? And, you know, in romance, uh, even serious, in scary novel, in horror novels, um, I mean, the thing that, that Hitchcock did so brilliantly was to put these little things in that would make you laugh right before he scared the pants off of you. Like, and, give an example. Uh, and I can't think of any right now. But it was where you the a door would open and you'd be have you'd be on the edge of your seat and a cat would walk in and you'd laugh and then the thing that was behind you would get you, um, just this. What what would what kind of an ending would take you to laughter even if the thing that came after it was not funny, um. And I can't I honestly I, I haven't watched Hitchcock in so long. It doesn't have to be Hitchcock. No, it doesn't. An but example. Yeah, it's or any sort of horror um but any any genre you can bring some humor into it and then you can take it back to serious again um you can take it to sad you can take it to any other emotion but humor changes people's perspectives about the world and it's it can be a very very good ending to put something funny in there um, and then, if that doesn't work, you ask yourself the next question. Now, this one, I don't recommend. What would make you furious? <clears throat> but it is really important to consider this because along with the and then I killed them all ending, which is not only going to piss off you, but piss off your readers, um, there is the, but it was all a dream ending yeah that's the one i was thinking oh my god and yeah never the the thing with fiction is that you are promising your reader that you are not going to waste their time and that is well that is one of the biggest promises you make is that you are taking a portion of someone else's life and tying it up in your imagination in your creation so you have an obligation as a creator, to not waste their damn time. And if you run them through this story with all of this conflict and all of this wonder and all of this amazing shit and you come up to this cliffhanger ending and then the person wakes up, the, the main character wakes up, they will never read anything by you again, deservedly so. That, I don't know why that that is such, such a a trope that so many beginning writers just I, I oh, know I sometimes it's born out of the fact that they don't know how to end something yeah. but a lot of times they think that it's this clever thing and it's not it's yeah. it's because the the writers who think this is a clever thing as opposed to the writers who just get stuck in a corner are writers who don't read enough yeah. Not, now, notice she's not insulting anybody. She's not no. saying, oh, they don't read. No, it's you don't read enough. That's right. it. So it's just, right. I think the identity, the film with John Cusack um, and a 
Rebecca De Mornay, a whole list of other people. I think that it handled that really well. Um, it wasn't all a dream. So I, I, it's an old movie, so I'm not going to worry about spoilers. But if you haven't, if you haven't watched it, you might want to fast forward 15 seconds, but or 30 seconds. But <laughs> the idea is that um, as you're watching it, it's this kind of thriller mystery: who's the killer? Blah blah blah. And it turns out that the all of the characters are different split off identities that this one man has in his head and it's killing off all of these different identities so that it, it's kind of like he's going through this breakdown and trying to become one whole person and there's a even yet another twist at the end and mm -hmm. I think that they did it in an amazing way you still cared about all of these different identities that he had yeah and that was kind of, it feels almost like the screenwriter said, you know what, I'm going to take this quote, it, it was all a dream thing, and I'm going to fuck with it, and I'm mm -hmm. going to change it, and I'm going to make all of it matter. Right. That counts. And see, even that, that's a beautiful example. Because even if you landed on, and then it was all a dream, if you can go back through in revision and figure out how to tie it all up, how to make it matter, how to bring that person, how to bring every single thing that the character who was dreaming, how to make every single piece of it relevant and yeah. then bring it into the real world and, and have a second ending where the person wakes up and then it all matters. Yeah. That's brilliant and the second time you go through second third time you go through and you watch the film there are hints at the truth mm -hmm. so again they were doing what we have discussed many times is like leaving in first revision it's kind of like or first draft you're kind of leaving these toys on the floor right so when you're doing the revision you're picking these toys up and some of them are hints to the reader as to what else there is to come. And yes. for identity, there were hints to the reader as this is not what you think it is. You know, if, if you're looking, if you're paying attention, if you watch, you can see these little tiny things threaded throughout the screenplay that, you know, you'd have to be a fucking genius to get what was going on. Mm -hmm. But I think that it is probably possible out there for a few people to have already figured it out. Nice. Nice. Okay, then our next question after what would make you furious is, and this one is really important, what would, what would make you hate the writer? Okay, so you are the writer, but you are putting yourself into the reader's seat and you are saying, what would make me as the reader of this story hate me, the writer? And you write that down. You write down that, you think it through. And it would be something like, well, um, I will take the character that everybody absolutely has loved through this whole thing and make that character the villain. Or I will take, take the character that, um, I, will, I will make them the, the, the loved character. I would, it is almost always gonna be someone that, some, someone that you have written that is good or lovable. Um, I'm going to make them bad. I'm going to make them irrelevant. I am going to just remove them from the story. Uh, or you could you could make it so that uh, they end up losing, 
and become embittered. It's it's whatever you would personally, you know, that that would go against your personal convictions and beliefs mm-hmm. and, and everything. Because right. this isn't just hate the story, hate the ending. This is what would make you hate the writer. Yes. So Yes. So it and, would, yeah. that is a beautiful point. This is going to be a very personal thing to you. Okay. This is going to be you writing naked here, writing down the thing that would take this story that you are struggling with and turn it into something that goes against everything you care about in the world. That is the absolute diametrical opposite of who you are and what you care about and what matters to you and how you live your life and your passions and your loves. Take that and take a big dump right on top of it. (laughs) Write that down and go, okay, that's the thing. This is a thing I can't do. But if it is something that writers do because they don't ask that question. And I'm not even going to name names, but there is a writer. The only time I ever threw a book across a wall, it was because in a dream, that character, uh, the main character in what he thought was a dream, just casually raped the first person he met in this world. And it just, you know, like it didn't matter. It was a thing and went on and... Um, I have found out from other people who actually finished reading the book that it didn't get better and that was an entire series in which it didn't get better. And he was just this guy who was a complete shit. But that was yeah. apparently that was what the writer cared about. Yeah, that's definitely something diametrically opposed to you. Yeah, it was. <laughs> like just... And I was very grateful to discover that I had not wasted my time reading any of the rest of the book yeah. or any of the rest of the series or anything else by that writer ever. But... It's going to matter to you. And apparently that was what mattered to him. And there were a bunch of people who, who read that crap. Yeah. Tons. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, he had a New York Times bestselling career. Um, but, you know, not to me. Yeah. And, again, this is, this is what we're saying is writing is very personal. It's putting yourself in a vulnerable position on the page. And you're going to have reactions like Holly's to that one particular author that she's not naming is people are going to absolutely hate what you've written. Yeah. They're, they're going to take a personal affront to it. They're going to despise you as a person. And there is 100% absolutely nothing you can do about it because you can't write to please everyone. You can only write to please you and the people who believe what you believe. And then that they, what you have written matters to not just you, but them as well. Yes. And this is really important to keep in mind because no matter who you are and no matter what you love, there are people who, who, who are on the opposite side of the fence from you and who will hate everything you love no matter who you are. Yeah. You could, you could be an animal lover and somebody who likes to try to save and rescue animals and somebody out there is absolutely opposed to that, thinks it's a waste of time, would, would shoot an animal without hesitation, mm-hmm. just just so they didn't have to feed it. And thinks you're an idiot and a moron. Yeah. 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 So (laughs) if you're a lover of freedom and the the idea that your life is your own, obviously we know that there are people on this planet who disagree 100%. So just remember that no matter what you believe and what you love to write, there's going to be people that hate you and what you write. So it it, just... (laughs) Write it anyway. You want to reach the other people that matter to you and say, hey, you're not alone. Yeah. You know, I know there are other people out there that we, 
you know, that disagree with us and hate us, but I'm not one of those, I'm your kind of person. Right, right. So, so no, no, the thing that would make you hate yourself as a writer. Yeah. And get that out, get it down on paper and make sure it isn't anywhere in your book. (laughs) (laughs) Because you want your readers to love you. Our next question is the diametrical opposite of that. What would make you love the writer? What ending would make you love the writer? And you need to write that down too. Even if it isn't the ending you use, figure out what you could build that would would make the writer, not the story, but the writer, someone that you would go out and look for because they did this thing. Um, And you know what kind of endings you like to read. And if you don't, read more. (laughs) Read more. Read (laughs) until you can find and identify the kinds of stories you love that I know most people are going to have a pretty good idea of this. Yeah, I think that that's something that's important anyway, is just a note to tell yourself to read more. Yeah. Of everything. (laughs) Of everything. Of everything. And, And if you are a writer, you are not someone who gets to just read just in your narrow genre. If you're a writer, your job description is to read everything. Shit you hate and stuff you love and nonfiction and fiction because you have to, because you, there are things you're going to find that you didn't know you love in genres that you would not have written or have read. But you can discover just by reading really broadly all of this cool shit that you don't even have to think of as research, but that is going to seep in and let you pull endings out of your hat that you couldn't have written if you hadn't read nonfiction and fiction and outside your genre and inside your genre and tons. I think it's funny you say to read what the shit you hate because you don't do that. You accidentally read something that turns into something that you hate and then you don't finish it. No, that's not true. There that's are, what you've oh, told me several times okay. is that you will not finish a book you hate. Well, there are, there are some that piss me off so much that I don't finish them. But mm. I have read tons of books all the way to the ending that I don't like. I have read literary novels, lots and lots of literary novels that are, you know, best-selling author stuff that I have read. There's one author that I read like a dozen books by her yeah. trying to understand why she was a New York Times bestseller. Is that the one, though, that, that writes very beautifully? Oh, yeah. She's a freaking okay. gorgeous writer. So I mean, there's there's something in there, even though you hate her particular, you know, storylines and endings. Mm-hmm. Hate and, her, and Hate her characters. Yeah. Hate, but her writing is breathtaking. And uh, I, I despise her life philosophy, I just, which is very evident in everything she writes. Uh, she, is, she is not me, and she is not anybody I would ever want to know personally. <laughs> but yeah. my God, can she write? And you, you need to understand that, too, because I appreciate beautiful writing. I just want it in a story I give a damn about. Yeah. And uh, I, I've read just tons of genres that are so far beyond beyond anything I would ever consider writing but um you pick things up from from everything though I mean even if you're reading something that you don't like you're learning what not to do 
Yeah. And, and there are things that I don't, I guess I kind of use some of the stuff that I got from, from reading Lawrence Block. He hasn't, he, he changed my life, but I don't write like him, but I learned a lot of stuff about doing procedurals and about putting together serious stuff from reading his work. And, you know, I, I wish I could do the kind of things that he does. But, yeah, I guess Caden Strake is as close as I have ever come. Um, well, I mean, I can see some of, of that character arc within the stuff that he's writing. You don't write anything like him. He's, no. he's, he stretches that whole economy of words thing mm -hmm. to oh. an extreme. Oh, he's, he's, but I love that. Yeah. He is, he is tight and punchy and sharp and and funny and, as hell and funny as fuck man oh my yeah. god and and it's this oh. kind of ironic humor that's in there a lot there's there's this kind of sarcastic play on different characters and and yeah. the way that they act and and I can see what you're what you're admiring about his work a lot i mean he's a he's a very good writer it's not yeah. beautiful prose mm -mm. it's it's not beautiful but it's beautifully done yeah it is clean and sparse and, and raw, mm -hmm. and it fits the people, it fits the world, it, it's just gorgeous. It, it, but it isn't, it isn't fluffy, flowery, gorgeous. It isn't exquisite, it's mm -hmm. just right. Yeah. It, it is exactly what those books need. And kind of like reading something that you love like that, and then going and reading something that you dislike intensely, um, because that's, that's always been something that I had no problem doing. You, you were making fun of me for reading a particular <laughs> poet, um, that you, and, and writer that you very much <laughs> did not like. And I believe I know who, yes. yeah, I, well, I've read that. I read that too. I read, you said you wouldn't read it. You said I, you I didn't, I, yeah. I, did. I said that. And then I went, you know what? Read the damn thing. <laughs> so I read the damn thing. Yeah, there's there's yeah. a lot out there that that gives you knowledge and it's not like this condescending kind of oh well oh, I'm better than that. It's more of a okay, well I know I definitely don't want to do this. Right. You know, because the, there are people out there that write in a way that you are not going to enjoy whatsoever, mm -hmm. but it's good to to at least solidify that part of your brain. You might think that you know you that you wouldn't want to do this, but you don't know until you've read it that certain things exist and you don't know until you've read it what your opinion on is it on it is on it and then also it's not solidified in your brain like okay, that's not me. <laughs> right. Right. It, it, finding out who you are sometimes requires finding out who you're not. And I think that's true in in life, though, yes. is that it's it's the the tough times that that solidify you as a person. So maybe sometimes yeah. it can be the tough reads that solidify you as a writer. Yeah, and it really is important to identify. Well, good God, I don't want to do that, because then it makes it easier to find not not easier, but it makes it more important yeah. to find the stories that are yours. Yeah. Okay. So. Once more time, what would make you love the writer? Okay? And then you move on and you write that down. You write down the ending that would make you love the writer. Now, next thing is what is the impossible ending? 
And this is the, a little tricky to explain because what you're going to do is you are going to come up with something that would be incredible but can't happen because it takes something that doesn't exist in the previous part of the story. And if you can make it good enough, that impossible ending, that, oh, my God, if I could just have this ending, that can fuel your revision. Because, and I have, I have written two impossible endings because all of a sudden I realized, oh, my God, this needs to be the ending of the book. I haven't written the story that goes to that. But uh, as a, in, in fact, the Ohio novel has an impossible ending, and which is going to make the revision challenging <laughs> because that's just the way it works. Um, but that's the thing is the first draft is for you, and the first draft can be all kinds of mess. The, the, the revision is for the reader. It's for the, it's for the game. It's, and there is no requirement that the first draft save anything towards the revision other than what you learn you want to have the story to be. Um, so you can have an impossible ending and you can write to the impossible ending. So come up with an impossible ending, something that would just be so freaking good. Becky is laughing at me again. Yeah, No, I'm not laughing at you. I'm okay. laughing at an analogy in my brain that it just kind of popped up with. It's it's kind of like, it. I don't know how many football fans we have here. I, I'm hoping a few. Um, but it's kind of like being a Bills fan. Um, the impossible ending is actually winning a Super Bowl. And if you are a Bills fan, you know that we went four times in the 90s to the Super Bowl and lost all four in a row. Uh, yeah, the only team to have ever gone into the Super Bowl and then the only team to have ever lost the, the Super Bowl four times in a row. Um, so it's kind of like the preseason is your first draft, the season is your revision, and the Super Bowl is the impossible <laughs> ending for the Buffalo yes. Bills. Yeah. That's a very nice analogy. Well, we're, yeah. we're working to get to that impossible ending. <laughs> but yeah, I like that because it, it's kind of like, okay, well, this can't happen, but let's just throw a whole bunch of shit I would love at the ending mm -hmm. and kind of see what sticks or what I can revise to. That's kind of neat. Yeah. All right. We have two more questions. Just two. All right. The next question is, what is the obvious ending? And now to come up with the obvious ending, you have to get inside the reader's head. You have to pretend that you are the reader that has just read the book to this point, and you are going to sit there and write down what does the reader think is going to happen? What is, what, how have I built this story to lead the reader to think this? And sometimes this is going to take rereading through the whole thing, pretending that you have never read it before, and saying, okay, what do I think as the reader, not the writer, as the reader, what do I think is going to happen next, last, finally? That can be a very, very hard mindset to put your brain into, it especially is. if you've written it and you're doing your revisions or you've read it 13 times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But it is important to know this because that is the ending you don't want. You never want to hit the ending the reader thinks is coming. You want something better. Yeah. I mean, you um, still maybe 
you know, if the reader thinks, well, I hope they all live. Of course, you want to hit that yeah. ending if, if yeah, that's, that's what you want. Yeah, but that's not an ending. Yeah. You know, the ending is, um, well, um, the the cops come in and rescue the two people and, um, and well, they all live happily ever after. Let's take your everybody's, pretty much everybody's favorite Christmas movie for the most part uh die hard it's yes. like this <laughs> we this. watch that every year that is in fact our christmas tree putting up music or yeah, movie movie yeah the, i think i think about half of america believes that that is and and it's according to the nypd and the lapd now it is an official christmas movie yeah it is the um, best christmas movie ever <laughs> but yeah so let's take that one so uh, the obvious ending for die hard which the majority of people that are listening might have seen um so it's it, it's would be obvious that the bad guys would be caught, possibly arrested, maybe die. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the ending that came up that they came up with was pretty cool because yeah, the bad guys lose and the good guys win, but the the Hans Gruber falling from the top of the Nakatami Plaza and <laughs> falling. You get that bit of humor because you asked like, what would make this funny? Well, mm-hmm. I believe at this time, that's when somebody says, I hope that's not a hostage. Yes. I'm pretty sure that's when he says, I boy, think. I hope that's not a hostage. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Hans Gruber dies, but the unobvious part is when you get to the end and, and there's this happy, you know, buddy cop movie feel between him and Steve Urkel's neighbor who I never remember that actor's name but the <laughs> cop from Family Matters yeah, There, there's that, that obvious moment and then the blonde guy that has not even been in the movie for what like the last half of the film that you thought died by uh, Bruce Willis's hands mm-hmm. stands up shaking off this this cover that he was covered by with a gun in his hand and is out to shoot somebody <laughs> yeah that that is like the non-obvious ending there it, it's that it pulls into 80 slasher films where the horror you know the the villain is never actually dead right the 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 one that I used um which was just kind of the generic the cops come in and save everybody that is the obvious ending, but it's the wrong ending because the everybody is your characters, and the characters have to save themselves. Which, again, Die Hard, that's what happened. The characters, the yeah. main characters in this situation. The mother ends up punching the reporter in the face because oh, yes. he, he yes. you know, messed with her family. Yeah. Um, put her kids at risk. Put, yeah. put them at risk. Yeah. Bruce Willis kills Hans Gruber and the buddy cop who hasn't shot anybody who has been doing just the basic uh, desk job or whatever Mm -hmm. shoots the blonde guy. Everybody gets their ending. Yeah. And, and each character did it themselves. Not this general, the cops rushed in and saved everybody in the building. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, that was that is a beautiful example because yeah that was not an obvious ending and it's totally rewatchable, and and it still gives you that ending feel the the feeling that everybody wanted, mm-hmm. but it did it in slightly different ways, 
Right. That, like you said, it's it's rewatchable and it's still like, okay, well, how can I do that? How can I take this ending that is obvious and twist it so that it doesn't happen the exact way you were thinking? Right. So, so take the time, again, to write down the answer to what is the obvious ending and then figure out how to twist it, how to change it, how to make it powerful, how to give the, the characters themselves their own strong rea- their their own strong actions, their own strong save themselves. Yeah, I kind of feel like I did pretty good with that with leaving Juan de Lucia. Oh, it yeah. was there was an obvious ending to it and part of it was there, but I did add an extra twist in there. Oh, it was kick ass. Well, I and, and what was cool was uh, even Matt said, I like how you did this mm-hmm. because you didn't make it easy on the character. You did, even, and you didn't telegraph either. Yeah. Woohoo. No telegraphing. Yeah. Very cool. But yeah, yeah. So what is, what's the next question? Okay. This is the last question. And this one, this one is going to take a little creativity on your part. What's left? <laughs> After you have gone through and written down answers for each of these other questions, what what do you still have in the back of your mind as something that you can throw in there, something cool, different? I like that question because it leads you to understand that this is not a comprehensive list of questions. You right. might have other questions. This is kind of like our other episodes where we said that you have, you know, you can hit all of the answers or you can hit or all of the questions, or you could hit a few, whatever your muse will take off on. Mm-hmm. If it's like that knowing when to stop thing, it's if something has given you the answer, then yeah. run with that. But if not, if your <clears throat> muse is still popping up with different questions, start answering those. Right, exactly, because this is this is a starting point. It is not an ending point. So what I would like to do before we go is just read off all of the questions in order for you so that you can uh, pause after I read each one and write them down so that you can then do this. Yeah, these will not be in the show notes. No, this is this is not a show notes thing. So, you know, but but I'm going to put these in just in order so that you can stop, write each one down and then, you know, set up your own little worksheet if you want or whatever. Okay, how to nail your endings. Question one, what's the easiest thing that could happen? Question two, what's the scariest thing that could happen? Question three, what would make you cry? Question four, what would make you laugh? Question five, what would make you furious? Question six, what would make you hate the writer? Question seven, what would make you love the writer? Question eight, what is the impossible ending? Question nine, what is the obvious ending? And question 10, what's left? Yeah, I like that that last ending. I'm going to have to go through, I think, some of these uh, for the one I'm writing right now. Um, I like the reveal I have. I like the basic ending, but it's missing that thread throughout the novel that would pull it together. And so I'm, I'm thinking that I'll just keep going through how to revise your novel, but some of those I might want to sit down today 
and just run through some of those in my head to kind of help solidify a better ending. I want it to be a stronger ending. I I, I know how I want it to end. Mm -hmm. I know that it has to be these particular characters do these certain things, but it needs to be stronger. And I think that those questions are exactly kind of what I need for, for this revision. Cool. So is there a takeaway for this? There is a small takeaway. Okay, well, give me one second. So I'll just let you guys know if you want to follow us on the socials. It's at Alone with Invisible People on Instagram. It is at A-I-A-R-W-I-P on Twitter. Alone in a Room with Invisible People on Facebook. You can find our website at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. And again, I stress every week, (laughs) it seems like every week right now, we'll find a new person that has popped up into the forums that has said, wow, you know, you guys... Um, are really helpful. Look at the variation of these answers I've gotten. Thank you for giving me so much to think about. I cannot stress enough. Holly cannot stress enough. We have amazing people. And it's not just that they're nice. It's not just that they, you know, they, they're smart. They're brilliant. They mm-hmm. they have different opinions than Holly and myself. They they have different viewpoints and different, you know, different lives. Different processes. Yeah, yeah. different processes. They're from all over this world. We have in our forums in the you know and holly's writing classes.com so sign up for a free account you also get how to write flash fiction that doesn't suck course free that is a three-week course you also get the summer of fiction stuff for free and you get this vast vast group <laughs> of people that follow the no religion no politics no uh haters no you know people that are you know, nasty and stuff. Yeah. They follow all yeah, well, of we those have rules. Very strict rules. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But everybody follows them because it is one of those safe havens on the internet that are so rare and it's a gem. And I just can't stress enough how amazing it is. If you want to support Holly, you can, you know, buy her fiction, buy her courses, and you can go to her coffee account. It's co- it's ko com forward slash Holly, L I S L E. That is hers. If you want to support the podcast, you can buy through the affiliate links. If you're interested in any of her courses, you can donate to our coffee account. It's ko-fi.com forward slash alone. Uh, we also have a drop down menu on our website, Alone with Invisible People, that gives you PayPal options. Or you can just share the podcast. That's a huge thing for us. Share us on social media. Share us on Instagram. Share us on Twitter. Share us on Facebook. I'm I'm in my 30s now, so I'm old to y'all, young millennials and the next gen. Uh, so I don't know where else you could share us, but share us there. Yes. And, and let me, before I actually get into the takeaway, say one other thing. We have people in the forums from every continent on the planet except Antarctica. So if you are in Antarctica and you can take a picture of yourself there and email it to the show, I will give you a free class. Wow. Okay. That is show. I will give you a free writing class. (laughs) That that is show at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. This is something that has actually bothered Holly for years and years now. It has, man. She really wants somebody from Antarctica. So if you are from Antarctica and can prove this, uh, show at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. Email us that picture or, Not from there. Because uh, no, then we're only going to get penguins and listening penguins. from there. Yeah, if actually, you are listening there. from there. Yes, good God, yes. Walk outside, take a picture of yourself in front of those little dome hut things. 
<laughs> make sure to GPS tag your picture too, so that we can, you know, verify. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, let us. <laughs> yeah, let's the the Fre- weirdest. free class, whichever one you want. A- anyone, it doesn't matter. Anyone, I don't care. Anyone. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> uh, what is what is the takeaway? Okay, the takeaway from this is that while your first draft ending may not be the ending that would win you readers and make and and find you an audience you can get there from here no matter how crappy your ending is even and then i killed them all it's a story is not the story that you write in first draft it is the story that you build from finding what's good in first draft and bringing in what's great from all of your ideas that come after that in one run you just run through it one time you tie it all together you make it the best you can and then you get it out there and you write on to the next but you can do this you can find a good ending for this story and then you can go on and write the next one even better awesome 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 okay well that's our episode for this week uh i know the holidays are coming up i know you guys are we're, we're gonna be getting pretty pretty close to the start of the year so i'm just gonna say we have an episode coming out for the um i think it's gonna be on christmas eve obviously mm-hmm. there are people celebrating all sorts of holidays so let's just you know happy holidays happy holidays guys yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um, so the Christmas Eve episode, the one that's going to drop on Christmas Eve, that's going to be a lot of fun for you guys. We're specifically trying to make it something that is dedicated to fun. And yes. then the uh, New Year's episode is something that you are not going to want to miss. We had the... It's a big um, deal. Yeah. We, we've had a couple of really engaging episodes where we're giving you things to work on, where we're, we're having a lot of fun. And... I think that the New Year's episode is going to pull a lot from that and also give you something to work with. Yeah. So we will see you in the next episode. I'm just going to say love you guys. Hope to see you in the forums and goodbye. Yes, goodbye. Thank you for being with us. <laughs>